than enough. Open your Bibles to Psalms. Psalm 62. As soon as I got home this afternoon after preaching this morning about enduring and the importance of faith, the first thing I did was sit down in my recliner and open my Bible and read Psalm 62. And tonight, uh, we're going to focus in on just one verse, but we'll look at several, but One verse in particular that I want us to think about tonight, and you'll see the reason why in light of the message this morning, uh, this just sort of sums it all up. Verse number 8, Psalm 62, and verse number 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Here is a song worth repeating. You know, those who have found comfort in the Lord are anxious to tell others about their discovery. They want others to experience what they have experienced. I want you to notice what David said in verse 1 and 2 and then 5, 6, and 7, and you'll see what I mean. And I want you to notice as I go through this, the personal pronouns, if, if I counted right just a few minutes ago, I found 16 in these what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 verses. 16 personal pronouns. Notice he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse number uh, 5. My soul Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Wow, that's just amazing whenever you think about uh, where David's focus is. And, of course, it's on God. But notice in these verses, he's talking about what God is to him. And so let me say, when you think about a man like this, a man who is after God's own heart, a man that God had chosen to use and to bless mightily, a man who had made these great discoveries as to all of the different things that God is, it pays to listen to a man like this. And so let's listen tonight. And in verse 8, I want you to notice six things that David tells us that has to do with trusting God. First of all, notice what? We are to do. He says, trust in Him. I want you to notice that he does not say, give large sums of money. Although that would be all right. Wouldn't be a thing in the world wrong with that, would there? But 
but that's not what he's talking about. Notice he does not say here, uh, I want you to memorize a creed. Well, that would be all right to, you know, to commit to memory those fundamental cardinal doctrines of the faith that you believe. That'd be fine. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I want you to work your fingers to the bone. Although that would, to some extent, be all right. He does not say, I want you to compose a song. Well, that'd be great. Somebody compose a song about the Lord, why, that'd be be wonderful. But he doesn't say any of those things. And although God deserves all of that and more, notice, he simply tells us to trust in him. And he does so because God is trustworthy. We can depend on God. Isn't that a wonderful thought to know that you can rely upon Him, that He never deceives us, He never lies to us, and over and over again He has proven Himself to be faithful. You know, the sad thing is a lot of folks have never discovered the importance of faith. I I tried to drive that home a few weeks ago whenever I preached about faith, and I alluded to it again this morning in the morning manna message today i talked about that a lot of folks each week just take a glance at jesus rather than setting their gaze upon him rather than fixing their attention upon him that their faith in him might grow you know they just they just don't get it when it comes to how important faith is Uh, They don't know what faith in God can really do. They don't understand what it is to truly live by faith and walk in faith. Well, fortunately, the Bible tells us what great things God can do. And this morning we uh, mentioned uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. And there we see one example after another, after another, after another. God wants us to discover what He can do when we trust Him. And it's important because in making that discovery, it gives us confidence in a crisis. And if you're not in a crisis, then you just came out of one or you're just getting ready to go into one. Because we just go from one crisis to another and this experience of trusting God can put us at ease. So this is what he tells us to do. But notice when. Notice when he says, trust in him at all times. In other words, there is never a time when trusting God is out of season. Whether it's light, whether it's dark, whether it's stormy, whether it's fair, in good times, in bad times, we need to trust God. By the way, there will be times when you don't understand and times when everything seems hopeless and times when you think, I cannot endure this. I just cannot go through this. Uh, There's just no way I'll ever get over this. And so many times we run up against situations like that where we think, you know, that this is going to be the ultimate failure in our life and that it's all over and that we'll just have to exist and we'll never have joy again. We'll never be able to laugh again. And all of that is a lie of the devil because... In trusting God, if we trust Him at all times, it makes a drastic difference in our manner of life. 
But there's another thing about this I want to point out, and that's this, that there will be times when you're not aware of your need to trust God. That's why prosperity is more dangerous than poverty. Whenever all is well, we're not sick, we've got a little jingle in our pockets, we've got a lot of good friends, everybody's treating us kindly, everything's going our way, maybe we just got a raise at work or whatever it is, and we're as happy as a lark. And during times like that, if we're not careful, we fail to see our need to trust God. Listen, it's then when you might need to be trusting God the most. As I mentioned this morning, sometimes whenever we think, you know, this could never happen to me, I'll never fail. It might be that others did not endure. They fell by the wayside. They dropped out. They became casualties. But that'll never happen to me because I'm more determined than they are. I'm more spiritual than they are. And, boy, that is a dangerous place to be thinking it cannot happen to you. And sometimes whenever, you know, everything's going right, we fail to see the need to, to be trusting God and building our faith. But notice he says, trust Him at all times. So anytime you don't see your need, you're in great danger. Now, I want you to notice not only the what and the when, I want you to notice who. He says, trust Him when at all times... Who? Ye people. Now, he doesn't specify any certain people, does he? He just says, ye people. And so I take that to mean then whoever is hearing the message. When David was standing up proclaiming this or writing this, whoever is getting the message, he says, trust, you know, in God, ye people. You know, surely I don't need to convince anyone here tonight that God is concerned for all of us, to every single one of us. Anytime the Bible, you know, tells us clearly that, that He shed His blood for all of us, He tasted death for every man, that makes it clear that there's no one that God is unconcerned about. His concern extends from the very lowest to the very highest, from the best to the worst, from the least to the greatest. And so God's concerned about everyone. And this, this, this message is for everyone. And, and you can take this as either or, both, an invitation. Trust in God at all times, ye people. That's an invitation But it's more than that, it's also a command. Whenever you look at the other verses of the Bible where it's very clear that God has commanded all men everywhere to repent and that God demands from us that we trust Him, then this statement becomes a command. It's not something that we could take or leave. That's why it says, "...for without faith it is impossible to please God." And, and, and think about how foolish we would be not to do so because here is an invitation and a command that extends to the most unworthy people. Think about it. From the God of all grace to the most unworthy. A message from the God of all comfort to the vilest of sinners. It is a message to the most troubled soul from the one who has all power in heaven and earth. 
the one who never lies, the one who is able to, to make all grace abound, to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, the one who knows all about us, loves us the most, and has our best interest at heart. This is the one that's urging us to trust in Him. And we're to do it at all times. Whoever you are, there's no one exempt from this. But then I want you to notice the with. He says that we are to trust in God. We're to trust in God at all times. Trust in God. Notice he says, all ye people. But then notice... We're to do that with something. He says, pour out your heart before Him. Faith and obedience go together. Genuine faith is always accompanied by works. James goes to great lengths to confirm that fact and to convince us of that fact. That if we have real, true faith, it affects our behavior. You know, it's one thing to sit back and talk about what great faith we have in God. And a lot of folks, whenever they talk about that, you know, what they really mean is I have faith in faith. What they really mean is they believe in the power of positive thinking. They really believe that in believing something that they can make it come to pass. That's you know, kind of goes along with that philosophy. If you believe you can, you can. No, you can't. Just believing you can do something doesn't mean you can do it. A few weeks ago I talked about whenever I was a kid and jumping off of every building I could find. Just something about buildings I had to jump off of. It wasn't good enough to just climb up on them. I I had to see how high I could could jump. But I can remember as a kid also... Run, this is back during the days when I guess Superman got his start and jump off of something and, you know, just try to fly or pretend like I was flying. Well, it didn't make any difference how hard I tried. I could never fly, you know. So just thinking you can do it doesn't mean you can. What he's talking about here is a real genuine faith in God. And when we have faith in God, it changes our behavior. It regulates our conduct. And notice here, there's no better way for us to express our faith than what? By prayer. So we are to trust in God at all times, all ye people, regardless of who you are, with, with prayer. Because we are expressing our confidence in God. And by the way, that honors God. For us to express that before His throne of grace. That Heavenly Father, I, you know, I, I'm asking you this. And we ask because we, we believe that He can. We believe that He will. Now notice He doesn't say trust God and do nothing else. We're to trust and, what does the song say? Obey. We're to trust and obey. Well, if we are to trust and obey, that means that we must pray. Whenever we leave prayer out of it, we're not really trusting God. You know, that would be like, I was talking to Brother Ron a while ago, and probably next week or soon we're going to be bringing up a, a recommendation to the church about uh, constructing a sidewalk out here and uh, 
I guess I'm pointing the right way, out here and then, and, and then a roof over that going out to the gym. And we, we've got a bid already on part of that, and we're going to be bringing that up. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I told Brother Ron, I said, you know, m- money-wise and everything, do you anticipate any kind of a problem with that? And he kind of grinned, and he said, well, you know, remember what old Brother Gilbert used to say, if we believe that that's what God wants us to do, you know, don't worry about it. God, God will provide uh, the need. And, and that is exactly right. We've got to be sure that we do what God wants us to do. And when we do it, listen, when we do it, we need to believe that God's going to supply the need. But that does not mean, you know, we're just convinced that God wants us to expand the auditorium and then never pray about it. I think it was Brother Ron this morning mentioned the fact, be praying about this construction. You know, maybe maybe the delays and all of that, maybe that's the result of the fact that we haven't been praying like we should. We need to pray about it. So he doesn't say, you know, I want you to expand the auditorium, make room for more people. By the way, we had 270 this morning. Isn't that awesome? That's great. But God doesn't tell us to do that and then... Oh, by the way, you don't need to pray about it. Just do it. Or he doesn't say, oh, by the way, you can for the next six months not receive any offerings because I've got plenty of money. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own the gold that is in the hills. I own it all. So you don't need to receive any offerings, no. You, You see, trusting God does not exempt us from prayer. Trusting God does not exempt us from work. It doesn't exempt us from giving. So whenever he says here that we're to trust in the Lord and he reminds us that this is an invitation, this is a command, he's not telling us that that's all we are to do, but rather we are to pour out our heart before him. Now when you really look at that phrase and let it sink in, you begin to see that this is also, I think, a description of prayer. Pour out your heart before Him. You know, it's one thing to just utter a few words. It's another thing, an entirely different thing, to literally pour out your heart before Him. You you see, prayer is a matter of simply asking. That's what it is in, in a nutshell. The very essence of prayer is us just asking God for what we need. That's what prayer is. But it is to be heartfelt. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so he says here that our prayer is to be described as pouring out our heart before Him. And we need to think about that as we pray, lest our prayers become dull and routine and you know, just going through the motion without any heart in it whatsoever. Now notice the why. Why we ought to trust God. God is a refuge for us. Isn't that what we need, folks? We live in a world that is difficult and dangerous. We have powerful Enemies, the world and the flesh and the devil are all against us. And we're weak. 
much weaker than what we imagined. There are going to be many strong storms that, that we face, and we're going to need a shelter. And notice that he, sa- he does not say here, God was, but God is. God is a refuge. It's not that God used to be a refuge for all of those folks described in Hebrews chapter 11. God used to be a refuge for all of those that lived during Old Testament times. Or that God used to be a refuge for those that lived during the times of the apostles. But God is a refuge for us. Notice he did not say for me. Now he just got through describing all of the things God had done for him. And in light of what God had done for him, he's saying, I want to... I want to encourage you to trust God because I want you to experience what I experience. But notice, he does not say God is a refuge for me, but he says a refuge for us. Everything God was to David, he is for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever God was to David, God is to us. And then notice how he closes this. And here's the wonder. One word, Selah. I often send out my thoughts in the form of, you can call it a blog or whatever, but I, I refer to it as think about it. And I've often thought about changing, uh, in fact, I've got to get back to writing some stuff, but I've often thought about using the word Selah instead of think about it. And I thought, well, some folks might not know what I'm talking about and think I'm some kind of a, you know, nutcase and won't even read it. But, but by the way, this is what Selah is all about. I mean, stop what you're doing. Stop, think, listen. That, that, that pause. It's speaking here, you know, about, about us, uh, thinking about what God has done. And I can't think of a better way to end this verse or this message than with the word Selah. In other words, it's kind of like David is telling us this is a wow moment. This is a time to worship God. He's talking about what God is to us. And we need to stop and we need to think about it. You see, God excites us as nothing else can. Nothing gets us as excited as God does. And considering all that has been said, everything that we've mentioned here tonight, how can you not stop and think and wonder and stand in awe and and just soak your heart in this and, and feel like shouting it from the mountaintop? makes me feel like singing that old song, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Selah, stop. Think about it. Now, in wrapping this up, I want you to notice three things about all that has been said here tonight. Three things found in our text. First, 
there's an important duty. He says, trust in Him at all times. That's an important duty. You know, sometimes we think, well, just as long as I attend church, give my money and, you know, and help out, as long as I do that, that's all I need to do. No, no. The most important duty you have is to trust God, to rely upon Him, lean upon Him. And if you don't, you'll never be able to resist temptation. You'll never be able to endure your trials. You'll never be able to overcome your troubles. This is an important duty that we're talking about. Secondly, notice this is an inviting decree. Pour out your heart before Him. It's an obligation. That's an opportunity. That's a privilege. That's a duty. Pour out your heart before Him. And then notice there's an inspirational declaration where he says, God is a refuge for us. Whenever I think about that word refuge, I I thought about just spending several minutes talking about all that is implied by that. You know, we think about a refuge as 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 a place of shelter and a place of protection. And and that's exactly what it is. But I want you to understand that the word refuge is just one of many different words used in the Bible to describe what God is to His people. The Bible is just full of words that describes our Lord. He is our shepherd our good shepherd, our great shepherd, our chief shepherd. He's the lily of the valley. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end and the first and the last and on and on and on. His name shall be called Wonderful. And over and over, all through the Bible, we find these descriptive phrases of our God. Each one telling something a little bit different about what God provides But it's for who? For those that trust Him. There is no refuge for those who don't. Wouldn't it be awful to live in this troublesome world and to not have a refuge, a a hiding place, a shelter from the storm? To not have God to lean upon? To not have His strong arm to rely upon in a time of need? And how wonderful it is that we, because of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we have access to all of these things that God makes available. But the key to the door that opens it all up to us is what? Faith. Just believing that God can, that God will. And in doing that, Now, that's not just making up stuff out of the thin air. You know, this is what I want, and so I'm going to believe that God's going to do it. That's not faith. Faith is always based upon God's Word. 
It's based upon the promises that God made. It's believing that God will do what He said that He would do. It's not making up what you want and then insisting that God conform to your ways. It's just taking God at His Word. And so God says through His Word... Uh, it's so easy to get sidetracked whenever you're preaching. I was thinking about a little quote that I had in one of the morning manages this week. People think, you know, well, if I could just hear a voice from heaven, if God would just speak to me audibly, you know, wow, that'd make a difference in my life. And it's like somebody said, if you want to, if you if you want to hear God's voice, just read the Bible out loud. That's all you've got to do. It's God speaking. And whenever we think about the God who cannot lie, making these exceeding great and precious promises, we ought to be, we ought to be encouraged to, to trust everything He says because He never fails. And faith is discovering what God has said in His Word and believing that that is what God is going to do. So we come to these things that... God assures of us of Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Boy, isn't that something? I can do all things, but it's through Christ. God will supply all of all of your need according to His riches in glory. And we go on and on and on. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. You see, those are the promises, and we have a right. We even have a responsibility to express confidence in those promises and ask God to do the impossible simply because He said that He would. And that's what we need. So I want to challenge you tonight as you leave here. Trust God. Not just part of the time, but trust in God all of the time. Not just when you sense your need, but especially when you do not sense a need for great faith in God. Trust Him at all times and prove that you're trusting Him by what? Pouring out your heart before His throne of grace. Why should we do that? Well, He is a refuge for us in a time of need. He provides shelter. He provides safety. Safe am I in the hollow of His hand, the old song says. Thank God for that. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank You for Your Word, the exceeding great and precious promises. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can look back and not only read of what You've done for others, but we can look back and think to a time where we have personally experienced the difference that you can make. And Lord, there's so many times that we just feel like David when we think of all that you've done for us. We want to climb the highest mountain and shout as loudly as possible to the whole world and help them to experience the same thing, and then to join in the chorus. And so may we tonight leave here, and may this be a wow moment for every single one of us tonight. 
And may we just leave here tonight and go to our homes and soak ourselves in your word. Embrace your promises and do everything in our power to please you. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. We're going to stand.